You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's great help in Ramam Pei Shemesh Yisrael 5769-2009. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Truma. This week's Parsha speaks about the tabernacle, the Mishkan, and all the different kalim, all the different vessels that were inside of the Mishkan. And one of the first vessels that's mentioned in the Parsha is the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant. It was a special ark that was made out of wood. On the inside, on the outside, there was a layer of gold. And inside of the ark, they placed the tablets, the Ten Commandments. And on top of the ark, there was a special cover. On top of the cover, there were these two cherubim, the cruvim. There are many questions that we need to ask, and God willing, we will soon ask, what was the purpose of all these different parts of this Aron of the ark? But before we ask that question, so there's an interesting question that the Ramban asks that's essential for us to understand. What was the purpose of the Ark? The question that he asks is, we find in regards to the actual building of the Mishkan, when it was put together by B'Tzalel, so in fact, one of the last things that was made was the Ark itself. First, they made all the Kurashim, all the different beams and boards and parts of the Mishkan, of the sanctuary, and then they made the different Kalim, the different vessels. One of the last things that was placed inside for certain, one of the last things that was actually made, was the Ark itself. Because B'Tzal said, he reasoned, and he was correct, that would it make sense to first make the house, to first make the vessels. First you make the house, and then you put in the furniture, so to speak, inside of the house. And he was correct, and that's in fact what they did. So the question becomes, the Ramban asks, why is it that the Torah, when it's describing and commanding to create the different parts of the Mishkan, the sanctuary, the first thing that it talks about is the Aron. So the Ramban explains that it's clear from the verses, it's clear from what's happening, that the reason that the first thing that's described is the Aron, and then the Shulchan, the special table, and the altar that went inside of the Kodesh, inside of the holy area of the, of the Mishkan. These three things were the essential parts, the essential components, they were the soul, so to speak, of the Mishkan. And that's why it's the first thing that's described. So with that introduction, it's important, obviously it's the most important thing that we need to understand, is the first thing that's mentioned in the Torah in regards to the Mishkan and in regards to the sanctuary is this Aron, this Ark. What is the meaning of the Ark? What's the purpose of the Ark? What is its lesson? What was its function? So let's look at a few different aspects of the Ark, the way it was constructed, what it actually looked like, and hopefully with God's help we'll be able to start to understand, to begin to touch upon what its purpose was, what its function was, how it accomplished that. So one of the first things that we can notice is that there are actually two separate parts of the Ark. There's the box itself, which was on the bottom, and that box was actually ten tfachim, ten handsbreadths high, and then you have above it another ten handsbreadths, which goes from the actual cover of the ark to the top of the cherubim, who had their wings spread above to the top of their heads, sticking out like arms upheld in prayer. Now let's look at the verses, chapter 25, verses 21 and 22. It's going to give us a little bit of a hint as to what's happening with this ark. It says like this, chapter 25, verse 21, You place the cover of the ark upon it above. Inside of this box, inside of the ark, you place the testimony that I'm going to give to you. That was reference to the stone tablets that had upon them written the Ten Commandments. The next verse says, I'm going to meet with you there. I will speak to you from on top of the cover of the ark. Between the two cherubs, Asher Al Aron Edus, that are going to stand upon the Ark of the Covenant, all that I'm going to command you to the Jewish people. Now we start to see a few things. First of all, 
the ark contained the luchos, the Ten Commandments, the stone tablets, and it would contain both the broken ones, which was the first set of the luchos, the first tablets, as well as the, the new set, the second set. That's the first thing that we see. Second, second thing we see is that God speaks to Moshe. The revelation of Moshe is no longer going to be anywhere. It's only going to be centered specifically from on top. He's going to hear God's voice speak from on top of the kaporis, from on top of the cover of the ark. That's the second thing. The third thing that we see is that God speaks from between the two cherubs. Now we need to understand what are these cherubs? These are kruvim. They are angel-like figures. What was their purpose? How did they accomplish that purpose? We need to understand. Let's begin to delve into what was going on here. The Ramban gives us a few hints. He's very inexplicit here. He doesn't explain himself. He kind of leaves it for you to figure out. He says, I've explained it elsewhere. In another place a little bit, I give you some hints. Over here, I'm going to give you some hints. He doesn't say explicitly what he's talking about. But in Mitzvah with God's help, we'll try to figure out a little bit of what he says. One of the first things that I'd like to point out that he says is that the Aron served, this Ark served as the place, as we said, for God's revelation to Moshe Rabbeinu. Now what happened was God's Shekhinah, His divine presence would come down and it would actually rest upon the Ark. And from there, God would speak to Moshe Rabbeinu. And the Ramban says this is actually very similar, and it parallels the experience that the Jewish people had and Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses had on Har Sinai. God came down, His divine presence came down upon the mountain, and from then on, instead of coming down upon the mountain, obviously Mount Sinai, that experience, that revelation was over, but it would continue to come down in a hidden way on the Ark of the Covenant. Now what this means is that somehow the cherubim, the kruvim, these angel-like figures, they were able to become a vehicle for God's divine presence. What does that mean? We still need to understand. But that's at least the first step, the first stage. God's divine presence, He spoke from there, His divine presence rested upon the Ark. Now our sages tell us a few different ideas that will help us begin to understand the Kruvim, what this idea was behind these angelic figures. Number one, they tell us that each of the two Kruvim, one was a male and one was a female. And in fact, one of them actually represented the Jewish people and one of them represented God. And when the Jewish people were doing what they were supposed to be doing, when they were keeping the commandments, as we mentioned recently in the Nefesh HaChaim, in the Daily Kabbalah lesson, when the Jewish people kept the commandments, and they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, so the two cherubim would face each other. Not only would they face each other, but the verse actually says that they would embrace, and it would represent the fact that there was this wonderful, loving relationship between the Jewish people and God. If, however, heaven forbid, the Jewish people were not doing what they were supposed to be doing, so then the two Kruvim, these two angel-like figures, would turn away from each other, and they would face towards the actual structure of the Mishkan of the sanctuary. Now, another thing that our sages tell us about the Kruvim, these cherubs, these angel-like figures, is that there were a certain type of angel, not all angels look like this, but specifically these types of angels, our sages tell us in the Gemara and Sukkah, that the idea of a Kruv, why is it called a Kruv? It's because in Babylonia, so they would call a child a, a Ravya. It's Ki Ravya. A Kruv is like a child. They have a childlike appearance. So now we have three points so far that we brought out that we need to understand. Just going to review them so we keep them in mind. We're going to go to a few, a few more points, and then Mr. Hashem will come and explain everything. The first point we said was that God's Shina, His divine presence, come down, comes down upon these Keruvim, upon these angel-like figures, and He speaks from between the angel-like figures. And these angels also, in a certain sense, represent the relationship between the Jewish people and God. And the third point is that the Keruvim, these angels, have a baby face, a very young-looking face. Now, another point that we have here is that they were on top of the ark. What was contained inside of the ark 
It was the Luchas Abris, the Luchas Haedus. There was a testimony that was inside. What was that testimony to? What was it saying? So first of all, it was the Luchas, it was the Ten Commandments. It was those ten things that God said to the Jewish people at Harsina that was their revelation. And that was contained, it was the Torah itself. There was also the Torah that Moses himself wrote was placed inside of the Ark. But there was this covenant, there was this edus, this testimony. It was the thing that represented again the relationship between the Jewish people, the dedication of the Jewish people to God, the mission statement as it were, that God had given and agreed with the Jewish people, this is what we're going to be about. That was inside of the ark. Now I think that we're beginning to head in a certain direction. I think you're beginning to see where we're going. But what I'd like to tell you, what I'd like to share with you, is something beautiful that our sages say. Our sages tell us that the Jewish people at Har Sinai, at Mount Sinai, so they were like a bride, and God was like the groom, and the Jewish people and God were wed, so to speak. Of course, this is all a mushal in a certain sense, in a certain sense it's not a mushal, it's a parable. But in any event, the Jewish people were wed to God, and there was this beautiful ceremony, and there was the Ten Commandments, and everything beautiful. It was, it was unbelievable, unbelievable experience, revelation, unbelievable. But what happened after that? It wasn't like the, the Jewish people got married, they had their wedding night, and then the relationship was over. No, heaven forbid. It continued. And that love, and that connection, it continued. And that revelation, it continued. But it continued in a certain sense, as the Ramban said, in a nister way, in a way that was not revealed. It was something that was inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies, in the very inner chamber of the Mishkan, of the sanctuary. And God says, They're going to make me a sanctuary, I'm going to dwell among them. It doesn't say I'm going to dwell inside of the sanctuary. That the sanctuary is the vehicle, is the access point for the Jewish people as a whole and every single individual in the Jewish people as well. But what was the center? What was the place, the focal point of the Mishkan of the sanctuary? It was that Kodesh HaKadoshim, that Holy of Holies and it was the Ark in the center of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. That was where God, just as He revealed Himself on Har Sinai, on Mount Sinai to the entire Jewish people, this was the place inside of the Kodesh HaKadosh, the Holy of Holies, upon the Ark, that's where God would speak to the Jewish people. The revelation would come through that Ark. Now what did the Ark represent? It represented the relationship that had been forged by the Jewish people with God at Sinai. And it was a continuation. This relationship didn't end at Sinai. It continued. It continued with love. It continued with passion. When the Jewish people did what they were supposed to be doing, you could see it on the ark. The two Keruvim, the two cherubs, the angel-like figures, they would face each other, they would embrace. It represented the love that God was showing the Jewish people when we were doing what we were supposed to do. We were keeping our side of the bargain. Inside of the ark was the testimony to that relationship. It was the Ten Commandments that represented what the Jewish people had accepted upon themselves. It was a reminder that God Himself had taken the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim, out of Egypt, promised for all eternity that the Jewish people would be a special nation to him, an Am Segula, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That was what the Ark represented. And from there, God's voice was heard. That was where Moshe Rabbeinu Moses would hear the commandments. And that's where God would direct his beloved people how to serve him properly, how to go in his ways, which path to take. Now when we want to figure out our path in spirituality, our place in Torah, our place in our connection, our relationship with Hashem, when we want to understand how to have a revelation, how to access the divine, so we need to look towards the Ark, to look at that thing that represented the relationship of the Jewish people with God. If we look at the lessons of the Ark and of everything that it represented, we can understand how we personally, each individual on his own, can have a real relationship with Hashem, with God.
Now let's look at each individual point and see how it applies to ourselves. First we have the cherubim, these cherubim, these angel-like figures. And they were parsed kenafayim lamala, they had their wings spread above, and they served as a vehicle for the divine to the point where God is referred to as the yoshev cherubim. God sits, so to speak, on the cherubs. What does it mean, God sits? The concept of God sitting, explains Rabbi Arya Kaplan, is that Hashem lowers Himself. When a person sits, He lowers Himself. God lowers Himself to be accessed by us. He gives us the opportunity to come close to Him. We have that ability to do it just like the Kruvim. So they raise their wings up in order to make a place, so to speak, for God to sit. We also can raise our wings when we make that effort to do what God wants us to do. We're raising our wings. We're making a place for God's divine presence to dwell, as it were. We also see from the Kruvim that when the Jewish people did what they were supposed to do, as we mentioned, so they were facing each other, they were embracing. If we want to have a real relationship with Hashem, if we want to serve Him properly, so Hashem tells us, Hashem we have to love God. We have to embrace God, so to speak, as it were. We have to try our best to do whatever His will is, to be mevatel, to nullify our own desires in front of God's desires. The only way to create love between one person and his fellow, between ourselves and Hashem, is to give, is to sacrifice. That's how we create love. So in order to have that revelation, that relationship with Hashem, we have to be ready to give, we have to be ready to love, we have to embrace. Another thing that we see from the Kruvim, from these angels, was that they had this countenance, this face, a baby-like face, a beautiful baby-like face, beautiful innocence. We want to know how to access Hashem, it's with innocence, it's with simplicity. Every single child, there's a certain innocence in them before they've been contaminated by the society that's around them. But every single child has it inside of them, an innocence. And we also have that child inside of us. When we're true to that innocence, to that childhood nature, when we have the ability to be real with ourselves, just like a child is real, he'll cry because he really feels something. When we have the ability to be real with ourselves and real with Hashem, we also develop our relationship. And where do those Kruvim, where do those angels stand? They stood on the Ark. Their basis was the Torah. Their basis was the Shnei Luchas Habris, the two tablets of testimony, stating their commitment, the Jewish people's commitment to God. When we have a commitment to God, we're going to stick to God through thick and thin. doesn't matter what's going on in our lives. doesn't matter what's going on in the world. We're going to really dedicate ourselves completely to Hashem. That commitment and the learning of the Torah, the constant learning of the Torah, that has to be our foundation. That's what we're standing on. We have nothing without the Torah. We can't possibly know God's will except through that which He's revealed to us. We have no other way of knowing. We can't figure it out on our own. When we take all of these aspects, when our, our feet are firmly rooted in the Torah, learning the Torah, what God wants from us, and we have a childhood innocence, a realness with ourselves, a realness with God, and we have a love for God, we're embracing God, and we're reaching our wings up, trying to create a place for God to rest His divine presence. So, Mir Hashem, with God's help, we will certainly merit to find that relationship with God, to be able to experience, in a certain sense, a revelation, to be able to experience a level of spiritual and to be able to have a real relationship with Hashem. Thank you so much for listening and have a very beautiful Shabbos.